um, uh, joining us um, from Ireland, um, Joy Eniola, and she's going to be leading us further, um, leading us further in um, in the Word of God. So, Joy, good morning. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Oh. Good morning, Joy. Um, welcome. Please take it away. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can everyone hear me? Apologies. <laughs> I didn't realize my phone was muted. Good no morning, problem. everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. Oh, I'm so excited, guys. I hope everyone is excited this morning. I know it's yes. five in the morning. Uh, but yeah, it's just so exciting because every time we gather, um, the Holy Spirit has something that he wants to do. And I'm really honored uh, to be here. I'm really excited. Um, so our theme this morning is summoned to prophecy. Um, summoned to prophecy. And to be honest, when I got this message, um, I was very, <laughs> I literally laughed out loud like Sarah, because if we remember when, when the angels came and gave Abraham the, the prophecy, and Sarah laughed, you know, because I just think, and I don't know if everybody is feeling that way, just in this season, I feel like serving God has, is just a fun ride, you know, and I think God has a great sense of humor, um, and I just think, like, it, you know, it's not, it's not boring, you know, being a believer, and I just got this sense uh, for myself, but also I, I believe it's for everyone here, I just felt like, you know, Abba just wants to come like a mother this morning. And, you know, I, the picture I got was like when, when your mom comes in the morning, you know, and sits right beside your bed and not like, you know, taps you and says, wake up. It's a summon, but it's this beautiful, gentle summon. And you open your eyes and you're like, okay, uh-oh, there, you know, you know, this is going to be a serious piercing conversation. And you know it's going to be a call to action, but there is just something so beautiful, so filled with love, so intimate about it. And when I was praying, I was reminded of Isaiah chapter 50, verse 45. And Isaiah says, um, the, the sovereign Lord, he wakes me up morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear to listen, actually, he says, like one being instructed. And, you know, that, that sense of like Abba coming to us, waking us up morning by morning. And I feel like, you know, that's what he's doing in this season. It's not just about today, but just through this prayer in, like he's, he's not this, you know, sometimes when we hear awake in the army, we think, or summon the army, we think it's, it's always just this, like, he's there, like a sergeant master calling us, you know, but I really feel like Abba is saying this morning, I want to come like a persistent, annoying mom. <laughs> and I want to come and I want to summon my children to arise. Because, you know, in this season, there's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of, you know, news. There's a lot of the devil trying to make noise. But I really believe that with spiritual eyes, that we will be awakened to see that God is really moving, that we will really be awakened to see that God is working and he's working on an individual level. He's working on the church and he's working on a global level. And really the song that I've been singing this season, and I can't get that song out of my, out of my head is that song. And there's a line in it that says he's an extraordinary strategist. He's an impossibility specialist. He's an incredible God. And when Solomon says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, you know, I think, yes, absolutely it. It's like when we begin to fear God, we begin to become wise. But I think also there's a, there's a, a fear and awe of God that comes into our hearts when we really start to get insight into how God is working, which is wisdom, you know, when we really start to see and it's like, wow, there's nothing that is a coincidence with this God. And this plan has been set in motion, you know, and sometimes I think, you know, the devil comes and he thinks like, oh, yeah, wow, I got it now. I figured out a way. And, you know, like on the cross, like he anticipated or he saw the cross coming or he saw it or he thought he was planning that thing, but he never anticipated the resurrection. And we, you know, do we realize that none of God's plans are an afterthought? And it wasn't, it was always his plan. You know what I mean? And there's a song in my language that says, bami, as in like, you know, when, when you understand this God, like there's an, a fear and 
awe that comes over you. And you realize that no matter whatever God proposes to do, nothing and nobody can stop him. So I wanted to start with that this morning because I really felt like God was challenging me. And he said, we really need to start before we enter into this battle and resetting and understanding that God has a plan. God has not a plan. God has the plan. And that God's plan takes into account every contingency. His plan takes into account every circumstances. His plan is, has been in full effect. And it didn't start this year. It didn't start because, oh, suddenly we're entering into the end times, you know, and we're starting to wake up. No, like God's plan was established before the beginning of time. And his plan is not interrupted by any earthly event. So it's this heavenly plan. And he has us like in mind. Oh, no. I should do. Please carry on, Joy. Uh, hello, Joy. I think we lost you. Me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Yes. Uh, you're muted again. Hello, Joy. You're muted again, guys. Sorry okay, can we the... hear me now? Apologies. Yes. yes okay, perfect. Yes. Um, yeah, so what I was saying is that um, this plan of God is something that has been set in motion. And 2020, and Joy and Yola, Stephanie, whoever is on this call, has been grafted into God's plan. There's nothing about our lives that is like, you know, just per chance. And one thing I want us to realize as well, because the enemy is perpetrating so many lies out there, you know, is that when we study God's battle plans, <laughs> according to the Bible, you know, when we study how God selects different armies, when we study how he, he strategizes for battle, we realize that sometimes his plan may seem foolish. <laughs> Literally, sometimes they're like, wait, what? You have people dancing around. You want to pick the people who are lapping up the water. You have people blowing trumpets. You know, like sometimes we really think like, wait, what is this plan of God? But he is like, he, you know, what I'm trying to say is that something that looks foolish to us, something that looks like it doesn't make sense. And then at the end of it, now in retrospect, when we are reading these Bible stories, we can see that way. Oh, God had a plan. This wasn't just a random thing. Okay, it doesn't make sense to us. We don't understand it. And why? Because we cannot copy and paste yesterday's battle plan 2019's battle plan and say, Oh, well, that's what we're doing, you know, but it's still part of this great war that we are part of it's still part of this great battle and so why am i saying this you know where we read in ezekiel 37 today um god says like ezekiel look at the children of israel because the children of israel at that point they were in exile you know and and he says like my people are saying our bones are dried up our hope is lost right but this is a battle i mean how how hopeless can he get guys than dried bones <laughs> you know what i mean how hopeless could it have got that so it's almost like god's not saying you know they don't have a reason to say their hope is lost right but he says these dry bones can these dry bones live again surely they will live again right so what god is saying is you know there was a whole army of people maybe who were living and God is saying, no, these very dry bones are the bones that I'm going to use, that I'm going to command. And it's not just about like flesh on them. My very spirit will breathe upon, upon them, you know, and that word hope, I just wanted to talk about that word hope this morning a little bit before we, before we start to pray, you know, hope. Sometimes when we think about it in, in English, we're thinking, you know, oh, I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers. I'm waiting anxiously. I'm passive. I'm indifferent. Oh God, let, let the best outcome. What, what's going to happen? We're biting our fingernails, but you see the hope that we have is Christ in us is the hope of glory. It's an assured hope. And there's two words for hope in Hebrew in, in the Old Testament, and it's tikvati, which is literally a cord, um, a cord that binds like, and there's mikveh, which is gathered waters, but always there's this sense that hope is tangible. And that's why even the New Testament will often talk about hope as an anchor. It's not something that you concur in your mind. It's not something that is just out there. It's something that you anchor into. It's something that you can hold on to. It's something that is absolutely 
tangible. And, and, and the thing is, as well, is that our hope is not about circumstances. Our hope is not about, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to be the end point? Our hope is in God. So hope is literally confidence in God. It's literally confidence that God's plan is infallible. And that hope will spur us into action. So before we even start to talk about prophecy, it's really important. Let's look at this issue of hope because the enemy has tried to distract the church and he has try to stare us up to lose hope. And I don't know, there might be people here who are like, no, you know, I've been able to hold on my, to my hope. And that's good. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 11, it says, though Sarah was past childbearing age, she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Now she wasn't hoping in, in this, like, oh, maybe I'll have a child. Maybe I wouldn't. Well, God said it. Let's see. Did I get my period this month? You know, no, she, she considered it's a, it's a very like, you know, she took time to consider. And what did she consider? Not herself, not her body, not her circumstances. She considered him faithful who had promised. And that's hope. You know, that's the action. That, that's how we get spurred to action is that we come back and say, wait a minute, who is this God? Who is the, What is this Christ in me? What is this Christ in me? The hope of glory. So my challenge this morning is, have we considered that God is faithful? And can we actually come up to the throne of heaven this morning and let's repent? You know, I felt like God calling me personally, and I, I believe all of us to repent for that hopelessness because, you know, there's some of us maybe that have been able to say, oh yeah, I've been, I've been steadfast, but you know, COVID hit, Black Lives Matter hit, rape crisis hit, like all the news this, this year, and we lose our footing and we say, ah, but, but, but what's happening, you know, and we forget that, no, 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 our God is a strategic God. He's, he's a master planner and there's nothing that the enemy can throw. There's nothing that happens that God hasn't, that God hasn't already thought about. So I just thought like this morning for a few minutes before we go into this, um, th this, th this summon to prophecy, can we just pray? Can we just repent on our behalf, but also on behalf of the church this morning? Can we lift up our voices and say, Lord, you you are Christ in us. You are that hope of glory. Lord, have mercy, O oh God. Let's lift our voices this morning. Lord, your army, we have cried out a false cry. We have said our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. Our hope is not in our flesh, Lord. Our hope is not in our own breath, Lord. The Bible says it's not by power, it's not by might. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And our hope is in you, O God. And we just lift up our voices, Lord. Lord, we intercede on behalf of the church. We say, Lord, have mercy, O God. Have mercy on your church, O God. Have mercy on your bride, O God. Lord, in so many ways, Abba, we have decided, O God, that our hope is in our flesh, that our hope is in our earthly resources, O God. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, we declare this morning. Let's just begin to declare this morning. You are Christ in us. You are hope of glory. Hope, oh God, is not in circumstances. Our hope is not in the flesh. Our hope is not in what we see, oh God. Our hope is in the breath that comes from the heaven. Our hope is in the breath that comes from heaven. Our hope is in your infallible plan, oh God. Our hope is in the spirit that moves. The spirit that moves, oh God. The spirit that has been here since the day of Pentecost. Poured out upon the earth. Lord, we have deviated from your battle plan. We have we have taken our eyes off of your plan because we saw our circumstances. We saw the state of the world and we were discouraged, oh God. We saw the state of the world and we doubted your word, oh God. We doubted what you were doing, oh God. Even if it was 
us for an instant, oh God. Father, the church, oh God, we have turned, Father God, from that purpose, from that plan, from that intention that you had from the beginning of time, Lord. You have never changed your mind about this creation. Amen. Jesus Christ's name. Um, I was reminded about uh, the children of Israel and their story in, when they were in the wilderness. See, in, Gen in Numbers chapter 1, right, uh, after God gives them the law, God says to, to Moses, he says, I want you to count all the children of, uh, uh, count all the men in Israel. He said, I want you to count them from 20 upward. And, you know, God clearly says to them, I want you to count them according to how many of them are able to go to war right? This is in Numbers chapter one. And then we have a few chapters down. It details like, okay, this is how they took the censors. And literally, it couldn't have been more than a month or two later, we come to the story of when the spies are sent into the promised land, right? And, and you know, they come up, the, the spies, they came up and they said, wow, this land, it's exactly like God described. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, but they said, there's giants in the land, right? They said, oh, but we were like grasshoppers. And, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, wait a minute, God just literally told you to count yourselves, that you're going into battle, that you're going into war. And I think maybe they got that idea, but they thought, wow, we're going into war. We're going to fight this battle. And they expected or, you know, people in, in, in Canaan to be their size because they expected that the battle would be according to their strength. But you see what threw them off is that they saw giants <laughs> and they said, wait, our, our battle plan isn't well enough. We, we, we can't strategize to win this, you know, to, to defeat these giants. We're like grasshoppers. And, and suddenly they forgot that, well, God who called you to line yourself up according to the battle, he knows that you're going to face a battle. Do we get what I'm saying? He knows that, right, you're coming up against something. But, he, you know, they, they thought, like, sometimes it's not really that we don't think that we're going into battle. But when we come to the face of battle, we go, uh-oh, wait a minute. Like, you know, we start to look at my resources versus, like, what it is that is in front of me. And, and then we lose hope. We lose faith. We lose our confidence. But because our confidence is not in our armor this morning, our confidence is not in our own, you know, resources, our own power. It's not by power. It's not by might. Our confidence, the children of Israel, they were seeing themselves in exile. And the word of the Lord had come already that they were going to go to exile, right? They were seeing themselves in exile. They were like, we're, we're, we're dry bones. How can dry bones? You're saying that these dry bones would be the same dry bones that will bring the kingdom? No. You know, so it's like we see we see circumstances and suddenly we forget the plan of God. So this morning, I, I'm, I'm, we're going to pray again. We're going to say, Lord, have mercy on us, Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 verse 23, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. We say it with our mouth because he who promised he is faithful. It's because of God's faithfulness to his plan. It's because of God's faithfulness to his word that we have a hope. So we're going to call on God once again today. We're going to say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us, Father God, for looking at what was in front of us and for shaking, mm. you know, for, for shaking in our hope, for not holding on unswervingly to this hope, for not holding mm. on to the promise that you made father god but to no. our individual lives and to the church and to the nation and what you're doing in the nation your plan hasn't changed father god lord we ask for your, for your mercy this morning lord we ask for your mercy this morning lord we ask for your mercy 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 this morning, O God, and we receive the grace, O God, to build up to the hope that is in you, O God. Father, we apologize, O God. Amen. Now we're going to cry out. We're going to say, Lord, anchor us once again. Anchor your church once again in your confidence. Anchor us once again in the hope that is the calling of Christ. Anchor us once again in Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord, take our focus away from world events, life events, whatever is going on, Father God. Let our hope be in you, Father God. Remind the church once again in this season, Lord, that you have a plan, that your plan is infallible. Can we begin to pray? Thank you, Father Lord. Lord, we ask that you anchor us 
Father, for you are the echo of our soul, O God. Your word, your word is the echo of our soul, O God. Father, Lord, so in the name of Jesus, we ask, O God, that you anchor us once more. Anchor us once more in your confidence that we have in you. Lord, we just release that hope over us, every single person here, but over the church, oh God, over the nations, Lord God, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name. Right, so this morning, as I said, our, our theme actually is summoned to prophecy. And I, I want to talk very briefly, and I know it's 5 a.m., so please bear with me because there's a little bit of like, you know, roller coaster because, you know, we don't have a lot of time. But I really felt like sometimes when we talk about, you know, prophecy and prophets, I really felt like, and, and personally for me, sometimes I've gone through this season where, you know, I'm like, okay, prophecy, that's not for me. Or prophet, you know, I'm not a prophet, you know, and and I really felt like God is saying, let's go back, let's actually see. Um, so I, w- I wanted to do a quick w- word study today and just say, like, let's look at the word prophet and prophecy and and what what does this mean according to the Bible? And if you have your Bible, please turn to First uh, Corinthians, uh, sorry, First Chronicles chapter twenty nine, verse twenty nine, uh, because there are First Chronicles twenty nine twenty nine. There are different words um, in the Bible that's used for prophet. There's three different terms in the Old Testament um, where we're starting from that's used for for, for prophets. And um, First Chronicles 29, 29 has all three of them. So that's why I'm picking that passage. It says the acts of King David from first to last are written in the Chronicles of Samuel the seer and in the Chronicles of Nathan the prophet and in the Chronicles of Gad the seer. So we have two words there. Uh, we have two people there who are described as seers, and we have one person there who's described as a prophet. But actually, the word seer in Hebrew and the word uh, the both word seers are also words for prophets. And these are all three different words. So the seer of Samuel, the seer of Gad, and the prophet Nathan are all three different words throughout the Old Testament that are used in Hebrew to describe a prophet. I'm gonna fly through the seer ones because we're, we're kind of going to make the Nathan one. So first one, Samuel the seer. That word is the word roe, which I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it completely wrong because I'm not a Hebrew speaker, but it's something like R-O apostrophe E-H or R-O-E-H or R-O-A-H sometimes. Um, because it's not an English word, so we, we spell it in, di- in different ways. It literally means to see or to perceive. And, and generally, uh, this word is used I- in terms of somebody who reveals secrets, somebody who sees visions. And this, this, this term is used a lot of times for, for prophets, but it's usually used to describe a prophet's encounter with God or a prophet who sees. So for example, that um, Ezekiel where we were reading this morning and, and when, when God brings him and God says, look, son of man, that, you know, what he's seeing, that interaction and that encounter with God, he is acting in the, in the position of a prophet who sees. So, so we can say Ezekiel is a seer. He's not just a seeing prophet, but he's definitely a prophet who sees. Another example is Jeremiah, you know, the, and, and this is in Jeremiah 1, 11 to 13, when, when God brings Jeremiah and he says, son of man, what do you see? And then God says to him, you have seen well. So there there are prophets, specific prophets in the Bible who have that gift of seeing specifically. And and that's a very specific gift. Zechariah is is another one. In Zechariah 1, 18 to 20, uh, you know, he he sees in a vision. And Isaiah is another one as well. And of course, if we're looking at New Testament, we think about John in the book of Revelations, because John is brought to the island of Revelation, island of Patmos, and he is able to see certain revelations. So this is a type of a prophet. This is a word for a prophet that is used to 
describe when a prophet is seen, when a prophet is encountering a vision. Uh, uh, um, so then the second word that I'm going to be talking about is the second word there um, that talks about um, Gad, Gad the seer. And, and Gad is, uh, I don't know if we know the story, is, is, is basically um, David's seer, he's described as, or David's prophet in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 11, when, when the word of the Lord comes to the prophet uh, um, uh, Gad for David, but he describes him as a, as a seer. So again, this word, this is the word koze, which again, I'm sure I'm pronouncing wrong. Um, it's K-H-O-Z-E-H, you know, kind of something like that. And it's basically, again, it means to see in a vision or to perceive. And this word is usually used for prophets, mainly who would act as an advisor or prophets who have a, a specific kind of like mandate for wisdom or for counsel. And the prophet Amos is, is, is described also as a koze. He's described as a seer, but it's this particular word seer in Amos chapter 7 verse 12. Uh, and so those are kind of two of the words. And the third word then that we see in, in, in First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 29, uh, it, it describes Nathan as the prophet, right? And Nathan the prophet. So that word prophet is the word nabi, and again, I'm sorry, <laughs> N-A-B-I um, is, is, the, is the transliteration of it, N-A-B-I. And the word for use for the prophet there, it literally means to bubble up, right? It means to bubble up. And usually it describes somebody who is stares up in sorry, who is stared up in spirit and who speaks as a result. So it's something that, you know, it, it's happening within or it's happening always as a result of the spirit and always as a, that kind of functions then as so it's a response, I suppose, that comes from that bubbling up that happens when the spirit comes upon a, a person. And in that, in that um, story of Ezekiel that we read, the word nabi comes up. The word see, uh, the first word um, comes up as well for seer. Um, but that word nabi comes up constantly. And it comes up, especially, you know, when he says this, the spirit, the hand of the Lord was upon me and the spirit of the Lord led me. And, you know, he, he's describing. And, and when God says to him, son of man, prophesy to these bones. He's saying, son of man, what is inside of you? That word, he's like, son of man, literally is like son of man, bubble up out into these bones, kind of something like that. I hope that makes sense because we don't, we don't really have a, a lot of time. And it's really like, you know, this, it's almost like the spirit of the Lord is moving. God is having a dialogue, but God demands of the prophet to bubble up what is inside of him, what is staring up. So when God says to, uh, to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? As a human being, maybe Ezekiel might go, well, uh, uh, you know what and uh, but he knows what to say how does ezekiel know the response because the spirit of the lord in that moment is interacting with ezekiel ezekiel is not seeing this vision as a you know just a layman like an ordinary israelite and that's why he's able to say something that is contrary to what the israelites are saying in that time everybody else is saying our hope is lost our bones are dried ezekiel says yes i see that these bones are dried but lord you know if these bones can live and so he's able to hear the word of the lord manifest on his inside and then god says right you have you know and as he said to, to, to jeremiah as well you have seen well now speak right so there is something inside of you that is seeing the way god wants you to see there's a line in the way god wants you to see because you have the spirit on your inside now let that thing bubble up out and that's the sense and literally when when um when we're talking about in the sense of of speaking that word nabi actually goes this is how hebrew changes sometimes it changes when you're using it to to describe speaking, it changes then to declaring. And you know, that's very interesting to me because you see, when you are responding to something happening on your inside, according to the spirit, whatever you say then is a declaration. Does that make sense? So whatever mm. you're bubbling up becomes a de declaration. You might mm. speak something where without the spirit, it's just empty words. But because you are interacting according to the spirit, because the spirit of the Lord has come upon you and that mm. thing is bubbling up, whatever response that thing that comes out of you becomes a declaration 
declaration for the world, mm. right? So a Nabi then is a prophet and is understood to be one who is declared as announcing the word of God or declaring mm. the word of God, right? And, and the image that comes up to my mind when I think of Nabi is Jeremiah in, in 20 verse 9. And, you know, he, he's going through a lot of persecution because of the words that he's speaking. But he says, I cannot stop speaking because God's word is like, in my heart, is like a fire burning up or it's like a burning fire shut up in my bones, right? That's that sense of something is inside of me and it needs to come out. These declarations that I'm coming, that are coming out, they're not just coming out of, you know, I'm just making empty declarations. These things are coming out and bubbling out, right? And so mm. we look at, like, this is the most commonly word used for prophet in the Bible, by the way. And this is, you know, there's so many examples of prophets, but the first person ever to be called a Nabi in the Bible is, a, is Abraham himself. And this is in Genesis 20, verse 7, and I won't read it, but, you know, uh, this is the story of when Abimelech takes um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, and God appears to Abimelech in a dream, and he's warning him, he appears to Abimelech, and he says, this man is a prophet, and if you do right, he will pray for you, but if not, you will die. So God calls Abraham a prophet. Now, the interesting thing is, Abraham in that moment is not seeing a vision. Abraham is not prophesying as such as, as we mm. understand it but God calls him a prophet but what God is essentially saying is you see this man what is bubbling up in his inside let him from mm. that place declare a blessing over you Hallelujah. and God, you know, God is declaring that Abraham is a man literally who works according to my spirit who is being mm. led by me so mm. if you cross him if you don't allow him to speak whatever and what God is saying is if you do what I'm saying what Abraham will speak will be blessing to you you because I will command him to speak a blessing but if you mm. don't then it will be a curse to you because God will command him to speak a curse right and so mm. what he's saying and you know I think when I was reading that I was like wow you know because it makes sense now all the things that Abraham does because I, I kind of just imagine I wonder what was bubbling inside of him I wonder mm. what was bubbling inside of him an encounter that he had with the Holy Spirit or with God in that moment that made him leave everything behind and go for a land that God will cause him to see right and the challenging thing with Abraham then is that God calls him a prophet but we we don't actually get the point okay wait God this man you're saying is a prophet at what point does Abraham become a prophet so very quickly then it leads us to the next part where that, that, that um, word is used is in Numbers chapter 11. And it's a very fascinating story. I would have people read it later. But I just want to kind of really quickly paraphrase because I want us to pray this morning. And it's uh, it, Israel. It's one of these Israel classic complaint episodes. And Moses now, he's had it up to hear with them. He's tired, right? And he really goes to God and he says, God, I'm tired of carrying the people's burden. This burden, he says, is too heavy for me. So God comes up with a plan. God says, why don't you select 70 elders? He says, bring them to the tabernacle. And when you bring them, I will let my spirit rest. Uh, some of the spirit, the spirit that I have in you, Moses, I will let it rest on them so that they will be able to share your burden. Now, verse 25 says that when the spirit of the Lord uh, came upon them, they prophesied, right? The interesting thing is there's no definition for prophesied. It's like, okay, the spirit of the Lord came upon them, they prophesied. Sorry, can we tell us, you know, sometimes when they say people prophesy, we get a description of what that prophecy looks like. But in this case, we're not told. It's almost like, you know, there is the spirit of God came upon them and the response that they had to the spirit bubbling up inside of them, because that word is, is to bubble up is prophecy, right? So we might be thinking, okay, those are elders, but the story gets interesting again. It says that there's two men in the camp, these two men, Eldad and Medad, and he says, specifically that these two men were not um, able to go into the tabernacle. He didn't tell us why. I don't know if, you know, were they called to go in the first place? We don't know. But we know that they were in the camp, which is separate to the tabernacle. So just to have that picture of, of the, of the, you know, the setting up of, of the camp. And the camp is far away from the, from the tabernacle. And these are times when you can't just waltz into the tabernacle right there's you can't just walk waltz into the presence of god it's only by you know so by god summoning you that you can come but the bible says that eldad and medad they were in the camp the spirit of the lord also rested on them he found them in the camp and they also began to prophesy so again right we don't know what the spirit of the lord resting upon them looked like 
but we know for a fact that they began to prophesy from that place. And so from the get-go, we have God saying, you know what, we're not going to put prophecy into a box and we're not going to put it into like oh it's a certain people or a certain location it's almost as if and this is a thread really i don't have time to go into many many examples that every time the spirit of the lord in the old testament would rest upon a person they prophesy right they they have a reaction and it, it's it's really not that um you know that we have these like, oh, this is what prophecy looks like. Because if we think about it, in the Old Testament, we have singing prophets, right? We have lamenting prophets. We have weeping prophets. We have action prophets. You know, some people, it says like they were prophet, they, they prophesied with harp. For, for Hosea, God told him to prophesy by marrying a prostitute. For John the Baptist, he was eating locusts, right? So there is no kind of singular way that we can say this is what a prophet looks like and this is what this is a box of prophecy right but prophecy is simply the spontaneous response to the outpouring of the holy spirit right Hallelujah. and there you know it's it's this thing that bubbles up inside of us that comes because the holy spirit comes and in that story that we read um you know some of the guys are in the camp and they're in shock like how can these guys be in the camp and be experiencing the spirit of god so they run up and they told moses and joshua says moses you have to tell them to stop this is an abomination because we know that the presence of god is only supposed to manifest in the tabernacle right and moses says ah you know what my desire actually is that everybody will prophesy he said my desire is that the lord will pour out his spirit literally on everyone, on all his people, and all his people will prophesy. And we know that this Moses' desire, literally, it's almost word for word, the prophecy of Joel, Joel in, in two verse, Joel 2 verse uh, 28, where he says, in that day, my spirit will be poured out upon all flesh. Your sons, uh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. And he goes on. But he says, you know, as a response to the spirit of God poured out upon all flesh. And it makes sense, right? Because he's not defining what prophecy looks like. He's saying that when the spirit of God is poured out upon all flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. And we know that in the day of Pentecost, that prophecy was brought forth. The spirit of God was poured out on, on, on the disciples. And Peter, when he's trying to explain it, you know, I find it fascinating because it only says that they were speaking in tongues. But when Peter is trying to explain what is happening and why, why they're speaking in tongues, he goes back to Ezekiel, uh, Joel's prophecy. And he says, well, God says in those days, that the spirit of God will be poured out upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. This is those days. So he was saying our response, something is bubbling up. You know, the spirit landed us, upon us. Something is bubbling up inside of us. And our, our response is to speak in tongues. Does that make sense? So it's like, mm. this is, this is now, this is a new dispensation almost of prophecy. And oftentimes, even through the New Testament, when we look at it, and you know, if you do a word study of it, you see that when God, like, you know, when people are baptized in the spirit, oftentimes they say they speak in tongues, but also it says that they prophesy. And there is no kind of, you know, sometimes he tells us what the prophecy looks like, but a lot of times it doesn't tell us, you know, this is what the prophecy is. And, you know, it, the first people to encounter the spirit of God in, in the New Testament, Elizabeth and Zacharias, John's parents. And Elizabeth, he says, like, you know, she, she, she sees the baby and something inside of her leaps and, and she begins to prophesy. And same with Zacharias as well. You know, when he sees, they, be, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what was their response to that infilling of the Holy Spirit was prophecy. And really, I believe, you know, this is where I'm going. It's like, this is the essence of our sermon this morning. I feel like God is coming, you know, like that mother sitting with us and calling us, is saying, wake up right and an encounter with wake up into an encounter with the holy spirit wake up into an encounter with my spirit that would allow something inside of you to bubble up and god is calling an army and he's calling an army after the order of abraham like a prophet right and he's calling an, Abra an army that knows that the spirit of god today is poured out upon them and when the spirit of god is poured out upon us it is it is a summon to prophecy he is literally saying arise and position ourselves within this outpouring of the spirit because god is pouring out his spirit and that's why we have to deal with hopelessness because when we see things happening our concern our primary concern today should not be about oh 
what should happen what's the strategy our concern actually should be the spirit our concern should be lord mm. let your spirit pour out in me so much so that my response becomes and my response bubbles up out of this response from the spirit it's something that the spirit stares in us and finally i want to read um Second Peter chapter two, uh, sorry, Second Peter chapter one, verse nineteen to twenty-one, and then we're going to pray real quick. And he says that the prophetic message is something completely reliable, and you would do well to pay attention to it. He says that it is a shy, a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. It says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy, and this is where I'm going, no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. So prophets mm. didn't go and say, hmm, right, what's going on around us today? Let's interpret it according, because I've seen a lot of, how can we interpret these end times, you know? How can we interpret COVID? What is God doing? And we get so wrapped up into prophesying according to interpretation of things right he says no he said prophecy had never had its origin origin in verse 21 in human will but prophets through though they were human he says they spoke from god as they were carried along by the spirit right and that word carried along it's basically also is like to be stared you know to be moved by the spirit some version says they were moved by the spirit they were compelled by the spirit so this morning we're going to pray lord let your spirit pour up upon us lord we want like let our let our, our call to prophecy, let it not be an interpretation of what is happening around us, Lord. Let our call to prophecy be from that place of staring. Can we pray this morning? Let our yes, call so. to prophecy. Lord, Right. Let your spirit be our propeller in this season, oh God. Yes. Let your, like, yes. you know, that, that Jeremiah's phrase really keeps standing out of me. He says, like, it's like fire shot up in my bones. You know, when the spirit of the Lord comes and he deposits something in, in, inside of us, we begin to do things that look foolish to men. But this is according to the plan of God. You know, God is revealing his, his battle plan. He's not giving us like, oh, this entire blueprint. But he's revealing it by what he's staring mm. up inside of us by that encounter that he's staring up inside of the church so we're going to pray lord let it be your spirit holy spirit let it be your holy spirit that propels the church into this battle plan that propels to what you have for us oh god let Finally, we're going to pray and we're going to come against that, that fear that the enemy has tried. You know, the enemy has really tried to perverse prophecy, 
right? And it's very simple. Prophecy is just a response to the spirit, right? But he's, he's, tried, to, he's tried to perverse it. Um, so he's tried to perverse it. So we're, we're going to pray this morning. We're going to say, Lord, can you please, Lord, just, just let your spirit, Holy Spirit, let your spirit be the propeller, Father God. Let your spirit be the propeller that that fear of, of, of prophecy that the enemy has tried to imbibe in the church, Lord, let it be cut off, God, in the name Amen. of Jesus. Amen. we exalt you we bless your name oh god for once again you have led us into the truth of your word we thank you, Father, because once again, you have caused us to journey by and with your spirit, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God, because you have, brought, you have caused us to arrive at Christ this morning. We thank you, Father, because it is the entrance of your word that indeed gives light. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the enlightenment that has happened this morning. And so, our Lord, we ask, Lord, for the grace, O oh God, and the ability, Lord, to take on the word that we have received, O oh God, and to apply mm-hmm. it into our lives in the name of Jesus. My Lord and mm-hmm. King, I pray over everyone on this call this morning that you will cause us to arise in the spirit of prophecy, O oh God, in this time and in this season, in the mighty name of mm-hmm. Jesus, that you will cause mm-hmm. our eyes to be open to see, O oh God, Father, so that your mm-hmm. testimony concerning us will be that indeed you have seen well in the mighty name of jesus for father when you take a man on a journey first you cause his eyes to see that his perspective may shift and so father we ask lord that there will be a shift of perspective for everyone this morning there will be an alignment and a realignment oh god of our sight this morning in the mighty name of jesus and father when you open our eyes to see then you speak your word and you give your command and so father we ask oh god that even as you are you align our sight with yours lord father you open our ears to hear your voice that as your army we would rise and act according to your commands in the mighty name of jesus just as you spoke to ezekiel just as you spoke to jeremiah just as you have spoken lord even to your prophets lord in the days of old and you have said hear hear the word of god and prophesy my lord and my god we ask lord that our hearts will be open to hear your word that we may prophesy in the name of jesus oh father we ask this morning have access into our hearts we give you room holy spirit we give you room in our hearts we give you room to brood we give you room to inspire we give you room to fill us up this morning that you will lead us you will continually lead us in the 
have for you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, as we, as, we, as we walk with you, we ask, Lord, that we will continually respond in accordance to your will, in the mighty name of Jesus, for this is the quality of the prophet. This is the character of the prophetic, oh God, to respond according to the will and according to the leading of the Spirit. My Lord and my God, I pray, Lord, that you will give us the grace to respond, Lord. You will give us the insights to respond, Lord. You will put the right response in our hearts, Lord, this morning, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Father, and when we speak, Lord, I pray that you will make our tongues like the, like the pen of the ready writer, yes. that we will speak a word in season in the mighty name yes. of Jesus. Father, we will not speak, Lord, according to this world. We will not speak according to the rising or falling, Lord, of, of, of systems, oh God, or the things that we see, oh God, on the earth. But Father, we shall speak as it is revealed to us from heaven. You will cause us to constantly be hearers of heavenly conversations, O oh God. We speak against every distraction, O oh God. We speak against every barrier, O oh God, as we position and align ourselves in the place of waiting on you, in the place of consecration, in the place of fasting and prayer. My Lord and my God, I pray, Lord, that the airways around us will be clear. There will be clear paths, O oh God. There will be no distortion of our frequency, O oh God, in our frequency of heaven, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. We bless your holy name oh god because we go forth lord as your prophets the ones who see as you see the ones who hear your voice and the ones who speak your word in the mighty name of jesus we give you praise god we say blessed be your holy name for in jesus precious name we pray amen amen and amen amen god bless you thank you so much um thank you so much for that word joy um and it's you know i believe it's so timely in line with what um pastor moses even spoke of yesterday the response of the prophetic you, you know we are in the prophetic season we're in a prophetic time we're in the prophetic dispensation you know um so what we speak what we speak is very important we have learned this morning that we don't speak based on how we feel we speak according to the leading of the spirit and our response you know um, um our, our response to god is what is the you know that's what um the, that's what the spirit of prophecy is our spontaneous response according to the leading of the spirit and i just pray once again that the holy spirit you know by his power will continue to bubble up inside of us that we will never ever ever get to a place of deception we will never get to a place where we are confused because we are led by the spirit we will continue to be you know he will continue to propel us into the truth and into the light of god in the mighty name of jesus so we need to feel we need to fill our hearts we need to fill our hearts with the word of god it's like stock yourself up with the bread of life and the bread of life is the word of god stock yourself up with bread in this season you don't want to be hungry so stay in the word listen to yeah. the word pray the word read the word of god you know just go drunk on the word of god that is what fills you up and equips you to be prophetic god bless you all we continue praying and fasting today and um have an amazing day and happy new month it's a new month happy new month everybody yeah. um god bless you all. Yeah.